Coming up, we talk to a Hall of Famer who just so happens to be one of the greatest comeback stories of all time. Edge joins the podcast. A rated R edition of ATB starts now. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am still Corey Graves. This is still after the bell. I hope that wherever you are hiding out, locked up, locked down, you are staying safe, staying sane in these wild and crazy times. Luckily for all of us, WrestleMania took place this past weekend. I'm not going to spend all of my time pontificating about how much I enjoyed it, but I did. It was certainly a unique WrestleMania, unlike we have ever experienced before. That's top to bottom from the beginning of night one on Saturday to the very end of night two, Sunday night. The landscape of WWE looks very, very differently. New champions, familiar faces, new faces showing up on Raw that uh, I think everybody should be very excited about, Bianca Belair in particular. Um, Just want to take a second to remind you, no matter where you are, what you're doing, if it is within your means, uh, everyone needs a little bit of help right now. So that means donating to a local food bank or supporting a small local business, These are crazy trying times for everybody, so let's forget about wrestling for five seconds, do something good for ourselves and our community if we can, and then get back to discussing the fun part of life, which was WrestleMania. Nobody had more fun, probably now in hindsight, this past Sunday than my guest who managed to be the last man standing. I'm talking about WWE Hall of Famer, Edge. So, Edge, obviously, as a WWE superstar, we are always kind of begging and pleading for extended time off. Uh, These circumstances have afforded us that, maybe not the amount of time or time spent the way we expected it, particularly yourself, nine years away from WWE, and you make your epic return at the Royal Rumble. And I think it's probably safe to say this isn't exactly how you envisioned everything coming back. Yeah, I can't say if if I were mapping this out because I, I do like to to uh, visualize and kind of uh, I think if you visualize it, you can materialize it. I, I did not picture this. <laughs> this was not part of of my vision board. Uh, yeah, it's it's odd, you know, no question about it. Um, it, uh, it, but gosh, I mean, just it's so crazy and it happens so fast and it's we're all in it together, you know, and you just, you have to make do, you really do. And I I could sit there and wallow in my own self pity and be like, Oh, my first singles match back, my first WrestleMania back. And there's a pandemic. Ah, What are you going to do? You make the best of the scenario. And, um, and really there's just bigger things right now. Right. It's, it's all of us staying healthy and keeping our loved ones healthy and, you know, um, growing gardens and, <laughs> yeah, that was going to be one of my my questions later on. How are you spending all of this quality time? Yeah, well, I mean, I I can so I, I'm I'm trying to you know uh, bone up on my my ukulele skills. I'm I'm uh, reading, which I always do. Um, that has just kind of sped up even more, which is kind of scary because I I read 72 books last year without a pandemic, so I wow. have no idea what I'm going to hit this year. Um, helping Beth out, you know, I, I actually told her I was going to start gardening with her and it got me massive bonus points. <laughs> it really did. She was shocked. And I just, but I truly did think I was like, wow, what a great way to connect. Yeah. I'll help you garden. Let's do it. We got time. 
um, between that, just, you know, working out, going mountain biking, um, and being dad, just being dad and, and, um, surprisingly still fairly busy. Yeah. There's no shortage of ways to occupy your time. Uh, whether or not the, those ways are productive remain to be uh, determined. I, to your point about the ukulele, actually got inspired one day last week and spent about half of an afternoon shopping online for guitars that I decided that I was going to teach myself to play during all this. And uh, my guitar playing career lasted, well, about half of an afternoon when I decided I didn't feel like spending money on a guitar that I couldn't play. Well, well, yeah, I mean, you might during this. That's the only thing. Who knows? You might come out of this like, Friggin' Ingve Malmstein, just shredding, brother. <laughs> yeah, I think at certain points I've gotten very, very ambitious, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to start this, and I'm going to do that, and I've been wanting to do this, and and the ambition sort of gave way to laziness, and yeah, uh, and the Tiger King, <laughs> yeah, and just you know preparing. That's the one thing about being part of WWE in my role right now is there's we've slowed down, but nothing's really stopped. Like I wasn't doing SmackDown for several weeks because I wasn't there when they recorded it. But then I had to go to headquarters for ESPN to, to do wraparounds for the WrestleMania specials. And then I had to do the WrestleMania kickoff. And now I'm gearing up to, to head down for next week. And it's like, there's never a shortage of things to do within the world of WWE. Well, and it, it never stops. And if this isn't proof positive, I don't know what is. Well, let me ask you this. So when you got word... And all this is relatively fresh in my mind because the first thing I did this morning was watch the WWE 24 documentary on the network. If you're listening to this and you haven't already gotten your eyes on it, pause this. Go watch that first. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was really well done. Uh, hats off to everybody involved. And it was, it was an awesome look. And, and you and I have gotten along very well for, for quite some time. Um, and watching it, honestly, man, it was, it was inspiring. And I would say at two or three different points, I went, man... I live in Pittsburgh now. I should go find Dr. Maroon. It was just gave me that, that urge to, to do all this all over again. And I don't know whether or not that's a possibility, but the, the thought was uh, planted in my brain for quite some time. So everyone's caught up to the, the awesome return at the Royal Rumble. You obviously focus your sights on WrestleMania with Randy Orton. It's getting unbelievable live reaction, uh, truly like an emotional story that, that stood out amongst everything WWE is doing. What went through your mind when you first got word that WrestleMania was going to be happening behind closed doors? I mean, you have to admit there was disappointment, of course, sure. um, because, you know, as a performer, we want to be in front of the audience. You know, it's it's not the same without the audience there, you know, physically there. You know, they're there watching at home and 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 that's what you have to try and focus on is the performance for the people at home that are hopefully reacting the way that you would want them to within the arena man you got to just try and look at the positives and and that's all you can do because otherwise the wormholes get very deep and and it's just not worth it you know so it was disappointing sure but pretty quickly i went okay well this is what we have so now what can we do let's let's try and look at this in different terms um, you know, and then I started thinking about it in cinematic terms and apparently I wasn't the only one. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed to be a recurring theme this weekend. <laughs> so that, that's really what, uh, what I tried to do and, and just focus on the, on the story. And to me, the story is, is always the, it's the stake, you know, and, and if the story's there, I think you can do it without an audience. Sure. There's those challenges. Don't get me wrong. Um, and you do feed off of it with adrenaline and things like that. And, 
And I do think an audience can take something and make it better uh, j- just purely by their reaction and, and how invested they are. Uh, and I think an audience at home does feed off of that. But this is the set of circumstances we have. This is what we have to work with. And you just you have to make it work. That's We're pros. That's our job. That's what you have to try and do. And um, that's how I, I just tried to wrap my mind around it very quickly. And then also, for me, understand that I have who I believe to be the, the most talented person in the industry and Randy Orton as my, uh, as my partner in it, uh, my opponent, but my partner as well. Now you've, you've seen and done you and Randy both just about everything there is to do in WWE. Was there any sort of trepidation or, or nerves just because this was such a unique environment and situation? No. Um, no, I really didn't have any, you know, we, we had a lot of things that, uh, that we had to adapt around on top of doing it within you know, um, the empty arena, uh, it was, you know, the time that we filmed it didn't coordinate with the ideas we had. Right. So we find that out on the day hours before. So we had to change everything. Call an audible. (laughs) And then that's truly what you saw was a 40 minute audible. And I'm proud of that. I'm proud that we, without uttering two words to each other, were able to do that. Yeah, I'll always be able to look back. And again, I, I thrive on challenges and I love challenges and talk about a massive challenge. So can, can we do this? Can we pull that off? It, it, you know, it's a very, very challenging thing on top of the challenges that were already there. But again, that, that's part of the gig. It's part of your job. So now you've had a few days to, to watch it back and digest it. Was it weird sitting on Sunday night of WrestleMania watching your WrestleMania match on your own television? very odd. Very, very odd. Uh, you know, we built our whole, whole year toward that night. And usually, uh, you know, you, you do it and it, it's, it's that performance. And then you can get home following Raw or, or whatever it is. And then you can just sit and be with it and soak it in and, and just try to enjoy it. And that wasn't the case this time. It was very weird. Um, yeah, just odd all the way around. There's no really no other way to describe it. Um, it. It was it was an odd experience. And again, almost like if I pre-recorded something for Raw, a promo for Raw, and then watching it as it aired was was odd as well. It's it's a strange scenario right now. But I'd like to think we're making do and and just trying to put out products so that people can still have something to try and forget about. The, like I said, the wormholes that are out there, even if it's just for two hours, three hours, whatever it is. Um, and, and I know it's difficult right now, but if we can do that, then we've done our job. Definitely. Just the, the ability to be an escape is so important for, yeah. for any form of entertainment right now. And we have no sports. Everything's lacking. Everything's gone. WWE is the only game in town and we're making do with, with what we've got right now. So hats off to you and Randy and everybody who, who competed and performed under these circumstances all weekend long. Looking back, having watched it as it happened, um, what are your thoughts on it? Did it and we're, we're all in this business, usually the most critical of ourselves. And I imagine you're probably the same. I, I am. And I'd like to think I'm a realist and everything. And I'm, I'm actually really, really proud. I, I really am. I go on what my gut tells me. And my gut tells me that um, we had a fight and it's what it needed to be. You know, it's 
you weren't going to see two guys creating these extreme high spots within, you know, the parameters of a last man standing match. To me, it wasn't a last man standing match. It was a last man standing fight. Agreed. This story was dirty. It was ugly. It was personal. It, it feels like it should take place in the bowels of a boiler room or something like it shouldn't be pretty. It shouldn't be fancy. It should right. be two guys that are just beating the piss out of each other. Yeah, I didn't expect to see a, a technical masterpiece or any fancy reversals or up and over. <laughs> it no. had to be a fight. That's what it had to be. It had to be a fight. And initially, I, you know, I had ideas of drones and going on rooftops. And again, we're filming during, you know, sunlight. So that's not going to work. Okay, uh, whew, let's shift focus here. How do we do this? No, right. It's a fight. Let's just go fight. And that's what we did. And for that, I'm very proud. I'm also very proud of the fact that after nine years off, I could go for 40 minutes. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, man. I was watching the 24 and I saw you getting yourself back into the gym. And I've thought about that for years now. Man, that would be the hardest part about getting back in the ring is getting yourself back into that shape. And, and there was a scene where I think you were holding a plank and you were just pouring sweat. And I went, God, I'm really glad I don't do that anymore. <laughs> like I remember those days. But yeah, hats off to go 40 minutes, man. Yeah, well, and you know, it wasn't even anything that we realized. We were just going. And again, just, just ad-libbing and fighting. And, and just, so by the time it was done, someone told me it was like 42 minutes long. I was like, really? Man, okay. Well, damn, cool. My, my wind is good. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, but I, I am, I'm, I'm very, very proud of it. And, you know, I, I, I've heard there's feedback that it was too long and it's this and it's that. <laughs> Listen, hey, like all of the feedback I've gotten personally to myself or to my social media feeds has been all positive. Um, you know, when, when I have Bret Hart call me and tell me that he loved it because it looked like a fight, well, I don't care what anybody else says from that point on because his opinion to me has more weight than absolutely everyone anywhere. Nobody's going to top his opinion to me. And if he liked it and he thought it was a fight, good. Mission accomplished. So, yeah, I mean, everyone's entitled to their opinion. It's wrestling, right? So, I mean, it's art. It's subjective. I and mean, whatever blows your hair back. But, you know, Randy and I have broad shoulders and we can weather the weight of, you know, a minuscule militia of malcontents who will just want to complain about everything right uh, complain about the length of a wrestling match during a pandemic like really yeah, yeah. come on <laughs> hey, but but they're also the same people who are going to complain that bill and brock go for four minutes so yeah, i i just think there's a segment of people that enjoy not enjoying things and dwell on negatives but i focus on positives and the fact that after nine years i was able to claw my way back here and and I'm healthy enough to do this and, and to go 40 minutes and take a DDT into the bed of a truck with a, a triple fusion, man, <laughs> I, I came home, I hugged, once I got out of quarantine, I hugged Beth, I hugged the girls and, you know, nothing's going to dull my shine at this point. I'm on top of the world. That's awesome. That's awesome to hear. So I imagine you got to take a look at more of WrestleMania than we usually do. Uh, I know I actually got to watch both nights from start to finish. Uh, what else did you think of, of WrestleMania in, in these circumstances? Man, I, I loved the Boneyard match. I just yes. loved the cinematic quality of it. I love that 
that now we can do things like that. And, and I know it's been done before. Don't get me wrong. And props to those people who did that before. And I think these set of circumstances open the door for, for it to happen on a WrestleMania. I, I think AJ is the perfect foil for that type of thing. And I thought he played his role so well. Um, you know, Gallows and Anderson, I love those guys. And I just love that they were involved. And, and Taker, to me, man, I, I mean, it, it had elements of camp. And I love that. It's, it's wrestling. There has to be camp involved. But beyond that, Taker's got chops, man. Like, he's got acting chops. I was texting a couple, couple of people, and I said, this is like watching Undertaker as Clint Eastwood. Yeah, exactly. Or, or Mike from Better Call Saul. Like, he's good. And so I, I, I loved it. I really did. I thought it was fun. And I still have not yet to, I didn't get to see the Firefly Funhouse yet. I really want to see that. Yeah, I don't want to ruin it for you, but that's, that's, it's different. It's a completely different animal. And I'm glad it, it is, you know, it, a couple of things I saw, I was like, oh, wow, this is like an episode of VNC show, like some really trippy, weird out there stuff. And you know, I love that. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to seeing that too. Um, the, the second night I didn't get to see as much. We were pretty exhausted and, and crashed after my match. Because <laughs> because we got kids and that was my first day back in the house, so I realized like I wasn't going to be able to sleep in till nine anymore. It was going to be six a.m. and they were going to be up, so I had to go to <laughs> the bed. human alarm clocks. Okay, so now that, that WrestleMania is uh, relatively in the rearview mirror at the moment, what are you looking forward to? Ideally and long-term and realistically within the, the more immediate future? Oh, man. You know, here's what I want to do. I, I, this whole thing, and the 24 talks about it, I, I want to come back and tell stories. I want to come back and, and sell. And I think that's something, and this isn't a knock on, on new talent or anything like that, because I've been in those shoes, because you want to get noticed and you want to just show what you can do and you try and show it all within one match. Man, I want to sell and I want to show that selling can sell. So if you're watching Randy and I, yeah, there's a lot of selling because selling is important. I, I want to do the little things like reaching for the tailgate of a truck and just barely use your fingers to climb yourself back up. Those little, little things that I watched Steve Austin and Bret Hart do in their submission match. Austin trying to grab for the ropes to try and pull himself up and he just can't find the strength to grab a hold of that top rope. Those little things, man, those nuances, that, that's what takes things to an entirely different level. And I want to be able to get in there with a whole new crop of talent, with a, a new tool belt of things that I've been able to compile over those nine years from being on multiple sets and from landing a gig on the second biggest television show in the world. I, I want to be able and, and acting with actors who are beasts. I want to try and bring that stuff back with me. I, hopefully it's possible. I, I don't know. But it's exciting. And, and I look at a, a whole new like I said, crop of talent. And, and I just want to get in there and try and help further people along. That, that's, that's really what I want to do. And the, the best way to do that, I know from personal experience, is to be in there with the person. You can tell anybody till you're blue in the face in the back. And they may listen and they may try it and all of those things. But you, when you can really, truly teach is to be in there. And I, I was very lucky to have some of the best in the business do that for me. 
you know, from, from breaking in and having bad news Brown take me under his arm and, and Rick Martell. And then from there to, to get in there with, you know, guys like Jerry Lawler and Terry Funk and, you know, Dory Funk and Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair. And, and just to be able to sit under those trees because I was in the ring with them. That's where I really got it. You know, you, again, had all those conversations in the back until I was in there with him. I went, oh, man. And you have to learn to be and to feel. I had seen on After the Bell last week, as a matter of fact, and he said virtually the same thing that you did. And he gave credit to a lot of the guys in, in Eddie Guerrero's. And he, he used the mm-hmm. analogy, you have to learn how to play jazz, which yeah. it sounded so, so prophetic when he said it. And I was like, wow, it's so profound. And, but that's what he said. He said it was the most important thing that he ever learned in his career was to just be present. And you were a similar generation. I mean, you worked a lot with John and a lot of the same talent. Um, so I think it's exciting from my perspective to have somebody with those tools back on the team uh, for the foreseeable future, because I think John and you both you echoed one another's sentiments that that's what's missing a lot now is just the ability because the guys don't have that experience or that guy to work with. Yeah. And that's tough, you know, because if you're coming up with guys that, that all have the same amount of experience, then you're only going to learn so much. And I had a crop of guys that I trained with and we all worked each other and we could get to a certain point, but it wasn't until I started working veterans and that these light bulbs started going off because instead of just saying one word and kind of doing this long continuous spot, it was having to be in the moment. It was having to feel the audience, not knowing what's coming next. And there's a, a, a danger and, a, a, and an excitement that comes with that. And as a viewer, they might not understand why, but they can sense it. They can feel it. You watch an Eddie Guerrero match, it's always going to be there. And that, that to me is, that is fun. And, and I want to be able to get in there with, with a lot of people and, and truly just try and do that. And if at the end of this whole thing, we can tell some, some compelling, layered, nuanced stories, some folks can be able to, to dip into my, my gray matter for that time, then amazing. You know, that, that's really what I'm here for. I'm not, I'm not here to like, you know, add to the stats or anything like that. It's just, you know, to come back, try and help, and then be able to finally go out on my own terms you know, and, and not just be surprised that it was my last match and it's already in the rear view and go, well, well, damn, I might have I might have looked at this differently if I knew that was my last match. I want to be able to know this is my last match going in so that I can fully, fully appreciate it and also be at this stage of my life where I do appreciate everything more. And I appreciate it more because I didn't have it for nine years. And, and so I, I do. I just appreciate every aspect of this and, and just truly how lucky we are. And you know, you know firsthand how lucky we are to do this because when you don't have it, it, it can be hard. And to be able to have this land in my lap and yeah, there was hard work and all of these things put in, but just to, to have this opportunity, man, I'm not looking past it. I am, I am soaking this in, whether it's in an empty arena, whether it's, you know, during a pandemic, WrestleMania, I, I don't care, man. I'm going to enjoy every aspect of it I can and I'm going to pull every positive I can and kick the negatives to the side because negatives are always going to be there. You can't dwell on them or they'll keep popping up and you're just going to keep gravitating toward them. I'm going to pull the positives to me. And 
there's plenty there. I look at an entire stacked roster that I can get in there with and try and, and create some magic with. And, you know, and if I'm looking at it in terms of, if you want to use a movie analogy, I'm not going to be your guy that's going to give you the Avengers movie anymore. And, and that's great. And there's a market for that. I want to be the guy who tries to present the Joker. Do you feel a bit, a bit more freedom this run? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and a lot of that comes with, you know, being given the freedom over the years, that being said to fall flat on my face and pick myself up and go, okay, well, that didn't work. But now, having been through all of those things over the years, when I think everything was, was set up a little bit differently, maybe not as micromanaged, but now coming back, like I said, with, with a whole different tool belt, not just from acting, not just from, from sharing scenes and reps on sets and everything like that, but also just what I've learned in life, being a dad, being a, a partner, um, being a, uh, you know, growing into being a man. Uh, I, I can bring all of that stuff with me now. And to be able to have the freedom to try and express that within a story or within a promo, man, that's huge. And, and, and also to be trusted to do that. Um, you know, I've been, I've been trusted a lot since I've come back. And I'd like to think with my promo work that, um, that it's come through. And, and some of those elements that I have learned over the years are coming back with me. And um, to, to have the freedom to do that is massive, man. It's just, it makes it so much fun. Um, and hey, I know there's going to be things that I try that, that well, well, that didn't work. Okay. Then you just get back to the drawing board and go, okay, well, I learned there. It's not a mistake if you learn from it. And there's always something to learn from it. It's interesting. I mean, you're, you're in a really unique position having all the abilities and all the tools that you just mentioned, namely being real life. You've experienced aspects of life that so many of us, I don't want to say sacrifice, but don't necessarily enjoy or savor or are aware of as we go through life. And it's like, if we were to have these tools at the beginning of our wrestling careers, it's like, who knows yeah. what everybody could have done. You had the ability to do both. And now you're on the back end with all this wisdom and all this experience. And it sounds really, really interesting. Man, I, and with nine years off, you know, my body had nine years off. So yeah, I was forced to retire because of my neck, but the rest of my body has had nine years to recuperate. So suddenly that right shoulder that doesn't have a labrum isn't aching the way it used to because it's had time. Now at the end of this run, it might be aching that way again. I don't know. But what <laughs> I can also say is that I'm taking care of myself and watching my diet and training like I've never trained in my life. And I feel the difference and I feel so good. Like the rest of my body feels great. My neck feels great. And then coming back with this, this, you know, kind of real life, you know, experience and experience on sets and all of those things, it, it just, ah, oh man, it's, it's truly exciting. And, and yeah, if I'd had all this knowledge at 20, holy crap, but there's no way I could have. Right. I had to right. go through all of this stuff. I had to, to go through this to be able to come back at this point and feel this way and feel like I can bring this to the table. And, and it's, it really is. It's just exciting. And, and also, again, make me appreciate how special this job is. Because when you're in the grind, you can get jaded. Um, and, and just forget how awesome this whole thing is. I mean, most of us that are in it, 
wanted to do it since we were kids or since the first time we saw it or whatever it is. That was the case for me. And when it was gone, I, I, I had to stop watching for a while. I had to distance myself from it because I couldn't do it. And to have it back now, man, I am not looking past this at all. I am going to, to sit in it and savor it every moment that I have it. Tell me a little bit more about what you went through. Obviously, this is something I can relate to having to retire, not on my own terms. How long would you say it took you? Or was there a, was there a moment where you kind, kind of finally came to terms with that? Or is it something, I know I struggle with it occasionally from time to time to this day. Yeah, I, I think I found my piece. I found my role. But how did that work for you on your end? I will, I will say that Jay was instrumental. Christian was in, instrumental in helping me with that because I saw the same thing happen to him. And I was fortunate in that acting really fell in my lap right away. So it gave me a creative outlet from jump. Like a week after I retired, I was on Haven. And that, that I, I can look back at now and go, wow, that, that saved me from a lot of heartache because I had a creative outlet again, almost immediately. I can relate. Um, I, I started learning commentary, something I'd never done before. So I right. had something just to focus on out of necessity, but it kind of, that's what kept my mind occupied for the most part. Exactly. And it gives you that creative outlet. So you don't get that glut. And, and suddenly now you're, you're going down very, you know, you know, possibly emotionally bad roads. So acting was such, I mean, it, it, it saved me, like I said, a lot of, of heartache. And then as I was doing that, I, I just gravitated away from wrestling. And it was, it was Jay and, and Christian who, who kind of brought me back because when he was forced to retire, he said, Hey, why don't we, I don't know, do a show or something. And then, you know, it, it, it snowballed into the Edge and Christian show. And again, we were given freedom to just write this, <laughs> this ridiculousness. And, and to see all of those things come to life and to be back involved with my first love and, and to be able to have the freedom again to just create this, this show that was absolutely ridiculous, that, that, that sparked it all again for me. That, that really, it, it, it reignited my love for this. And the only reason I didn't fall out of love with it, I was just, I felt spurned. I guess. Sure. <laughs> I, I understand that. I understand it completely. Yeah, like you, you gave it everything and you didn't get it back. What the hell? It's not yeah. fair. Oh yeah. Uh, so during your, your nine years off, obviously you did a, a lot of acting. Is there anything that uh, you still want to try your hand at? Oh yeah. I mean, absolutely. That's never going to stop, you know, and I hope it doesn't stop. Uh, you know, anytime I see a new show come on or, or I see like a Better Call Saul or an Ozark and I see the performances, I'm like, oh man, I want to get in there and try and, and go to that level with, with those folks. You know, new shows excite me the way, the way Shawn Michaels and Razor in the ladder match excited me when I was first getting into the industry. You know, that's how I look at acting now. I'll see a performance and I'll see something or I'll, I'll watch a Daniel Day-Lewis movie and I'm like, oh, Man, the same way I used to watch a Bret Hart match. Uh, so now I have both, and they're both at my fingertips. And that, man, that is that is so exciting, you know. And and I love to write. You know, Beth and I wrote a kids book that we want to release and um, and illustrate it. And I, I want to continue to paint, and I, I want to 
you know, I, I might end up writing part two of my autobiography now, you know, 17 years later, <laughs> whatever it is. Time travel to fun in the 16th century at the Maryland Renaissance Festival. Ten stages, food, pubs, shopping, jousting. Saturday, Sundays, and Labor Day Monday through October 24th. For tickets, visit MarylandRenaissanceFestival.com. Save big on admission through September 12th. Completely unrelated, but sort of related, just to do the downtime. Um, what do you think of the new Pearl Jam album? Here's what I appreciate about it. Those guys have a set on them to put out Dance of the Clairvoyance. Mm-hmm. To put out a song that sounds like the talking heads when everybody wants them to just recreate a live, man, that, that takes a backbone. And I appreciate that. You know, uh, it, that is, it, and at first, I'm not going to lie, that song threw me off. I was like, what, drum machine? What, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's jarring at first. If it, you're not it's expecting jarring, it. right? Yeah. And, and, but then the more I listened, the more I, I, you know, I appreciated it. And, and Beth, who is sick of them because I constantly play them. Uh, she was like, I like this. And I went, what? Oh, <laughs> I got to give this another listen now. Cause if, if she, who is sick to death of them likes this. So, and then I started peeling it back. I was like, man, they're having fun on that guitar. lick. that bass line is awesome. And then I found out that the drum, uh, was produced to sound like a drum machine. Oh, so it actually wasn't. It's a not a drum machine. It's Matt Cameron producing it to sound like a drum machine. It just, and, and Eddie's lyrics, and he sounds like he's having fun. And then when I dove into the rest of the album, once I got it, I really, really like it. And, and the thing with a band like that is I feel like I've grown up with them, and they're singing to things that I can relate to because I'm probably currently going through them. Sure, sure. I, I, I found it very apropos at the, uh, at the end of the 24 documentary that you had the Foo Fighters learning to walk again, man. That was like, oh, wow. This is, I know what a big Foo fan you are. So I thought it was really cool to see that all come, come together. Man, I, I get so excited when, when WWE reaches out to the Foos and then they say it's for Edge and they say yes. That to me just... So that's how that works? You have to do the one with the end? <laughs> so, it, man, I just... Uh, I, I, I love the Foo Fighters again. Um, when I hear that song, how, how apropos those lyrics are now, man, you know, and, and Metalingus, Alter Bridge, my theme music, like, it's almost like these songs that I, that I loved and mean so much to my career mean more now. And that's crazy. Like, if I sit with those lyrics and read them, I'm like, What? <laughs> how, how is this happening? I, I, I still haven't wrapped my brain around how all of this is happening, Corey. I really haven't. You know, it, it's I'm still processing. Like I'll, I'll get you know tongue tied about it, and that's rare for me. <laughs> sure, yeah, it's heavy, man. It's 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 really big if you can step back and look at everything. And that's one thing that I'm guilty of. I never take the take the time to step back and appreciate at the moment where I'm at which I I'm aware of it and I know I should do it more. It's just kind of, you know how this life is, you get caught yep. up in it. So to be able to step back and go, wow. Yeah. I get it now from time to time, just watching a video package and, and hearing my call on something. I go, Oh wow, yeah. that's kind of cool. That's going to live on forever. Yep. What else is on the, uh, the edge playlist on the comeback playlist? 
Well, so like, you know, I'll make the, the workout playlist, right? And there's uh, Eamon Amarth, probably pronounced that wrong, I can never say it right. But it, there's always going to be some biking metal, you know, because to lift heavy things, you need that. Um, you know, but it, there's also Beastie Boys. There's also, you know, um, there's going to be some Danzig. There's going to be always some Alter Bridge, some Foos. There's going to be some old school Megadeth. There's, hell, there's going to be some old school Motley Crue. There's I just... I'm I'm all over the place now. It, for everyday life, I'll play Avid Brothers and I'll play Ray Lamontagne. Kind of all over the place, honestly. Um, but uh, in terms of coming back, you know, it's it's going to be aggressive in there in the gym. It's it's funny to hear now, uh, all these years later, you talk about how hard you're training and and how serious you're taking your your diet. I read an article, I believe you did with GQ, something yeah. like about. about uh, yeah, about your your diet and uh, shout out to the Nutrition Solutions guys because I just man. started using them again because of Edge. <laughs> Game changer, man. But, uh, but the very first time I ever met you, I was an extra in the locker room. And I remember you popped in and it was just a, a bunch of us local guys. And the conversation of working out came up somehow and you proudly declared, hey, I quit working out altogether and they gave me the world title. <laughs> <laughs> which which sure. always makes me laugh when I think about it, <laughs> just how honest it was at that moment. And then now we have this conversation with you, you know, this far down the road. Well, you know, and it, it's, I had just gotten to a point again in that grind, right. And then that day in that day out and you're just so sore and I just got to a point And then with all the injuries compiling and everything, it just, it, I was just hurt. I don't know how how else to describe it. So I looked at it and I went, okay, if I'm going 40 minutes a night because I'm world champ and I'm a bumping heel, so I'm working Batista and I'm working Cena and I'm working Undertaker and I'm working Kane and I'm working Big Show. <sighs> There's a lot of bumps there. Oh yeah, and, and and that's my job. But it got to a point where for a few years there, I was like, I think I can just pull off the wrestling thing. And that's what I'm going to pull off. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to the gym. And you can tell, like, I'll see now. I'll look back at pictures and I just kind of smack my own head. I'm like, oh, Adam, why, just get in there. Just watch your diet. But it is what it is, you know. And now, however, I fell back in love with the gym. And, and now it, you know, what I've looked at it in terms of, um, you know, it's not motivation now. I don't, I don't thrive on motivation. I don't use something to motivate me to get to the gym. Now it's just discipline. Now it's, it's just, I'm going to the gym. I don't have to go to the gym. I want to go to the gym. Also, the fact that the gym is 20 feet from my front door helps. <laughs> so there's that too. Takes away quite a few of the excuses to uh, yes. take the day off. Yeah, exactly. So looking, looking down the road, hopefully in the near future, once the live crowds resume for WWE, uh, who's somebody that stands out to you that you think you would like to uh, make some magic with? Man, there's, there's just so many. There, there, I mean, I, I, could, I could point at each roster. You know, I could point at NXT. Let's start there. Ciampa, Gargano, Adam Cole. Uh, you know, Velveteen Dream, man, with, with, with the way he's got his character dialed in, the way I could play off of that. And, oh, man. I mean, he's still just, so young, too, man. So young. So to get him so young and be able to try and, and, and teach him some extra tools, my God, that would be so much fun. You know, uh, Keith Lee, man, a guy, a guy like that who I don't think has worked somebody yet 
that knows how to present him the way he should be presented. If that makes any sense. I, I think perfect sense. I think Brock knows how, and you saw two minutes of that, yep. but um, man, that, that, so that's fun. Uh, God, you can look at the, the UK, you know, and, and, and oh gosh, I mean, there's just a bait and, and there's so many Walter, and I know I'm forgetting names that I would love to, you know, Shane Thorne, I'd love to get in there with him. I'd love to get in and just really, really just see what they got and see and, and try and give them some tools to take it to the next level. You know what I mean? And, and there's so much untapped potential there. Um, you know, Roddy, uh, I mean, Fish and O'Reilly, get me a partner. Like there's just, there's so much there, you know? And if I look at SmackDown, I mean, Reigns and I has to happen someday. There, no there's doubt. just, there's no way around it. It just has to. And, and to get that little taste of it at the rumble, that felt good, man. You know, that, that felt like we were in a pocket, we were in a zone and that's the first time we've ever touched. So for it to feel like that on that, that that's when, you know, like I had that with angle, I had that with Randy, uh, I had that with taker. I had that with Jeff that that can be a rare feeling. It took work for Eddie and I to get there. We weren't there immediately. It was, we're, we're both perfectionists and we're both our hardest, harshest critics. And we'd get to the back and we'd beat each other up and we'd be like, man, but it could have been this. And we'd peel it all apart and then try and put the onion back together. And eventually we got there and then it was like, oh man. And I, and I remember the moment it happened where we were like, okay, we, we got on the same page. We got into that pocket but it felt like that right out of the gate reigns. Uh, you know, Baron Corbin to me is a guy who truly understands this industry. He gets it. And I love that he does not care about being cool. He wants every percent of that audience to hate him. And I love that because that's the kind of heel that I always wanted to be too. I got, there's, I mean, man, there's just so many, you know, and if I look at raw, you know, you got, I'm chomping at the bit to get my hands on Aleister Black and AJ Styles. You know, the first time we touched 25 years in the industry together, the first time we touched was the Royal Rumble. How, how does that happen? Yeah, it's wild when you think about it. You know, so that has to happen. Rollins, that's a gimme. You know, with, with mm -hmm. our history, the fact that I haven't been around for nine years and we have as much history as we do. Right. Is, is crazy and it's built in and it, it, it has to happen. Um, Drew at where he's at now, my gosh, when I got Drew, he was, he was so young and, and, but just so eager. And he was, he was a sponge man. And to see him, you know, as a sponge, collect everything he has and get that world experience and go through some crap and fight through it and hammer his way back. Now we're talking about a complete performer because in real life, he's had to encounter some and yep. that's <laughs> when you learn and that's when you become that guy and you may show the roadmap on your face, but that just adds another layer, man. Like, like I said, I got crow's feet now because I've lived life and I know when I see an actor portraying a character and I can see that they've lived some real life on their own, they bring that to the character. That's huge. Now you've taken me to an entirely different level. Now I, I'm looking at the Jonathan Banks from Better Call Saul who, who plays Mike on Better Call Saul. I believe that guy. You know, I, I believe Hugh Jackman is Logan. 
I believe Sylvester Stallone in Rocky Balboa, where he fights Antonio Tarver. Like those are the three characters that I look for this incarnation of Edge. Those are the three characters from television and movies that I'm looking to to pull and, and get motivation from. Has there ever been other other motivations from like the cinematic world like you just mentioned? It almost sounds profound to hear you say, no, I, for Edge, I'm looking at these other movie characters. Some people throughout history have said that or admitted to it. Was there ever another point in your career where you looked at a movie or something as inspiration that you maybe brought to the screen? Yeah. You know, when I was in the midst of the Undertaker angle, um, he wasn't on the show. Because we had done, um, you know, a TLC match where if I beat him, he was he was done, right? So he was the the Undertaker was off the show, yet that was still my program. So how do you continue it when you're the only person in the program who is on the show? That's a challenge. And when we started building to him coming back, I wanted to start dipping into this this maniacal side of edge who's on the tipping point of sanity and i really looked to, to heath ledger playing the joker at that point and tried to pull from that and you know i i would not wash my hair for the week uh before tv so that i looked like i hadn't washed my hair and uh, you know i had makeup put a little bit of you know bags under my eyes and uh, you know just to try and try and 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 get across that this guy hasn't been sleeping he hasn't been taking care of himself. He's gone somewhere else and it's not a good place. But he feels like he has to go there to be able to fight this battle in Hell in a Cell that was coming up with Undertaker. Um, and then to have you know Mick Foley come in and, and play a part as foil to help remind Edge where he needed to get to. That, that was an angle that, again, massive challenge, but a great challenge to try and, and sink your teeth into. Uh, now that let's say we're in the second chapter, the second mountain of Edge's career in WWE, is there something you look back on nine years prior that you wish you could have done a little bit differently or you wish now, if I knew what I know back then, it would have been the, the thing, the, the definition? No, because I needed to do it that way in order to get where I am now. And I took everything as a learning experience. So, so again, any, anything that you could look at as a, as a mistake to me, it's not, I learned from it. What did I take from it? If I can take something away from anything, then, then it's not a mistake and I can take it and use that going forward. So everything I experienced, all the risks we took in the TLC matches, you know, some of the, the huge bumps I took, would I take them back? No, because I needed to take them in order to learn how to actually be able to work with more than just big bumps, to be able to try and, and emote with, with facial expressions, with the shaking of a hand, with, with the desperate grasp, you know, with, with more than just that, that programmed holy moment you know, to, to make it more than that. And I had to go through those moments of that and, and do those TLC matches and, and, and take those huge risks because at that time, that's what I felt like I had to do to get noticed. When it really started clicking for me is when I stopped doing a lot of those things and, and switched instead of maybe a drop kick off the top rope, it, it became a big boot to the face. That's when I started making money in the industry, like real money. You mean that less is more thing is real? <laughs> That's real, man. It is real. No matter what the climate is, it, it is truly real.
And there, with some of my matches, there might be a bit of a re-education process for the fan base who's not used to that. But that's what my matches are going to try to be from now on. You know, sure, I still took a DDT in the bed of a truck and I did an elbow drop off of a pen onto a table. I still did that. But the stuff, it, it wasn't all that. And, and I, we really tried to make that, if I'm using that as the, the just most current example, there were those moments, but most of it was just a fight and, a, and selling. And, and I, I feel like every generation says it, but sometimes it feels like it's a bit of a lost art. Well, I am excited to see what is coming in the future. The re-education of the WWE universe, the reintroduction of the rated R superstar and all things that come with it. I appreciate your time today, man. I know you've got a house full of lovely ladies to get back to, so I will not keep you much longer, but I will be in touch sometime in the very near future. Next time I need after the belt to be rocket strapped. <laughs> what well, I owed you, dude. Yeah, <laughs> you, you came on ours, and um, but and now was it was the perfect time. It really was. Right on, Adam. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. The time has come for me to bid you adieu, but not without throwing a little zen your way. This one comes from Dave Grohl, the aforementioned Dave Grohl, who is a big fan of Edge. It just seemed appropriate. Dave said, I've experienced great things. I've experienced great tragedies. I've done almost everything I could possibly ever imagine doing, but I just know that there's more. There's some Zen for you. I'm full of it. Thank you one more time to WWE Hall of Famer Edge. Make sure you follow at After the Bell WWE on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Send me your thoughts. Join the conversation. I dare you. Use the hashtag After the Bell. I know I say this all the time, but if you're an Apple Podcast user and haven't yet left us a review, please throw me five stars. It really helps spread the word about what we are doing here. For my Android users, follow ATB on Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, or Google Podcasts so that you never miss an episode. You can follow me at WWE Graves. Keep up with all of my quarantined insanity. Doing my best to pump out some content for the world. Until then, I will be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell.